Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. And today we're going to be talking about boundaries. Now, boundaries are particularly important to help you to maintain a sense of self and to preserve your emotional reservoir so that you can really spend time and effort dedicating to things that are really important to you. There's a lot of little things that can get in the way of the things that you need to get done. And when we have poor boundaries, our life is like a sieve and we just kind of let too much through. When you institute healthy boundaries, it closes up more of those holes so that less is getting through. And so you have more energy, more resources to put into things that you really need to get done. Generally, I like to tell people kind of a rule of thumb if you've got poor boundaries is you're tending to get irritated and overwhelmed frequently. And if you notice that, basically that irritation and overwhelm, it's a gauge in your body saying that you're not getting enough of something. And so you need to step back and look at what is the thing I'm not getting enough of or what is the thing I'm spending too much energy on. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, when I think of the times that I'm shortest with the people that I love the most, those are times when I feel overwhelmed, which shows me that I have poor boundaries in two ways, poor boundaries with others and poor boundaries with myself. And we'll go into a little bit more about that, the way that we set boundaries with others and why it's important to set boundaries for ourselves as well. I can definitely tell these times that I feel overwhelmed are when I don't have the margin around me that I need to. So even though I'm an extrovert and I like to do things and I like to bring my kids places and meet up with people and make sure that we're all experiencing life to its fullest, if I'm doing it that too much, I get overwhelmed and I don't set the margin or the boundaries that I need to to get the things done that are most important to me. So I'm not the only one that suffers, but it's also the people around me that suffer. And even though I'm doing some of those things for them, as a parent, I need to make sure that I'm sending up boundaries for them as well. A good example of this is lately we have been so busy over the weekends and I notice a difference in the attitudes of myself and my children. And even though the things that we're doing are so fun, if we do too much, I can just see how that's not the healthiest thing for our family. Even though, like I said, these are just such fun things to do. I need to be careful to protect our time, but also our energy. If we were to sum up essentially what boundaries are, they are vitamin N. And N stands for no. And vitamin N is just saying no to things so that you can pay attention to your own priorities and the things that are going on in your own home. So some of us are definitely very deficient in vitamin N. <laughs> Absolutely. I think sometimes I might overdose on vitamin N because <laughs> I have a tendency to say no to just about everything right out the gate. Yeah, and I'm definitely the one that's deficient in that. I think there's a stigma about saying no and people feel guilty when they do say no. But in reality, the people that feel the most comfortable and are able to say no to things are often the most loving because when they say yes, they're present because they're saying yes to things that they really want to be at. And if you're able to say no, you're able to do those things you do say yes to much more joyfully. Right, because if you say yes to everything, then you're going to be going places and doing things and you're going to be overwhelmed and huffing and puffing and irritated that you said yes to this out of obligation. But if you were able to say no to things, then when you show up at a party, you are having the time of your life because you want to be there 
where you're able to spend time with the people that you love or the people that you chose intentionally to be around. So boundaries aren't really a wall. They're more like a gate. It's something that you can open and close when it's appropriate. Understanding when you should have that gate open or closed can be very individualized. So for me, I have to work at opening my gate more frequently because I have it closed so often. But for other people who might have a tendency to struggle a little bit more with people pleasing, they need to work at closing that gate more frequently because they have this internal feeling of, oh, man, I should be doing this or I should be doing that. And so they feel forced to and they do these things even though they don't really want to or their heart's not or their heart's not into it because they feel like if I don't, then I'm going to disconnect from this person or I'm going to alienate them or they will stop liking me because of that. But I always like to tell my clients that sometimes you just need to stop and sharpen your axe so that you can be more effective at the task that you're doing rather than just continuing to hack away. Yeah, so when it comes to saying yes out of obligation, people have this fear of hurting others or feeling like they're being selfish or just feeling guilty for saying no. But it's the exact opposite. The most loving thing to do is to say no. When you're not being honest, you begin to build up that bitterness and resentment And that's when we begin to feel overwhelmed and we start to blame everyone else around us. Have you ever said, I have so much to do and you begin listing everything you have to do and it's for everybody else because you weren't able to set boundaries and say no to them. You have a party to go to and you have to bring a dish to that party and then you have to make costumes for your kids and you volunteered at church to help in the kids ministry and then you did this and this and this and you have so much to do. But in reality, a lot of those things could have been prevented by saying no or just simply saying, you know, I would love to, but I have too much on my plate. The best thing to do is to be able to say yes to the things that you want to do and be excellent in those things. Not saying yes to everything and not doing a great job at anything because you're spread too thin. So one of the first boundaries that you can really have and set up is your own skin. And so your skin is just this layer of protection on you that you have, and it's a physical boundary that you can see and experience. For my children, for an example, we don't coerce them for any type of physical affection. So if I want the kids to give me a kiss or give me a hug, I'll ask them for that. But if they say no, we allow them to institute that type of boundary. Now, don't get me wrong. When I ask my kids for a kiss or a hug and they say no, it hurts. But I don't guilt them as a parent to try to get them to do that. It's setting up a negative precedent for them that they can't have that physical boundary there. And we want them to be able to be strong having that physical boundary. Now, what I've noticed and what I've experienced in my own life with my kids is when I've allowed them to say no, that when they choose to do it, they more joyfully do it. Or they will come up to me and spontaneously offer that affection. But if in that moment I press them and pressure them into doing that, then they would have done it begrudgingly. And now it's causing this physical affection that should be a pleasant thing between us to now feel like a forced, uncomfortable event. And I think this also goes along with relatives. It can feel uncomfortable if a grandparent or an aunt or uncle or something like that, they want a kiss or a hug and the kid refuses. And you as a parent might feel uncomfortable seeing that happen, but you should allow that child to refuse that affection because they're setting up this most basic of boundary. Socially and culturally, this isn't always acceptable. How often do you hear people say, no, go and give your uncle a hug or go give him a kiss? Growing up in Hawaii, we would always give a hug and honey, which is a kiss. But you would honey honey, which is a mutual kiss at the same time. And 
that's a sign of genuine respect and love for the person. But I never want to put my kids in a place where they feel forced. But we've made it a rule in our family where even though culturally that's a thing that we want to teach them to respect people, we also want to keep them safe and teach them that it's okay for them to have boundaries and to never feel forced physically to do something that they're not comfortable with. And I think this is a small but meaningful step that you can take to protect your children from some type of sexual abuse or molestation where they feel it's okay to say no to something that they're not interested in. There's plenty of clients who I've worked with who have felt like they weren't able to or allowed to say no to something like that. And so then allowed the perpetrator to continue when they really didn't want to. And so we always want to try to train our kids to make sure that they have a voice, even with this most basic of thing. And so it may sound kind of extreme, but it definitely can go a long way to helping your kids be protected. Now, obviously, another big portion of that is making sure that us as parents aren't putting them into positions where they're likely to be abused, but helping them to be trained a little bit where they feel that comfort level with saying no to something they're uncomfortable with. And continuing with that thought of giving them a voice, as a parent, you want to be able to teach them that the boundaries they set are okay, even in the small things. So for example, if we're potty training and I want my child to go to the bathroom, I don't ask them, hey, do you want to go potty? Because if they say no, I want to be able to respect that. But if I want them to go potty, I say, let's go potty. Do you want to go first or do you want me to? Or let's go potty. I'll race you there. But if I truly don't care if they go potty and I'm just asking them, then I'll say, do you need to go potty? And if they say no, then that's fine. I'll leave it. The same principle can be applied to almost anything as a parent to make sure that if you want them to do something, you're stating it. But if they have a choice in it, then you can ask them a question. A lot of times you'll hear people say, hey, do you want to wear a jacket? The child will say no, and they'll continue to say, no, go get a jacket. It's really cold outside. So really, the child never had a choice. They were always going to make them wear a jacket. So it's better to pose it as a statement rather than a question. And I think even sometimes people want to ask the question because it sounds nicer, but it's not very nice if it's not actually a question. And then you're training your child to understand that there's some type of hidden meaning there. The second type of boundary is words. And this is what we've already kind of discussed. But the most basic boundary setting word is no. Just being able to get comfortable with saying no to things. The third type of boundary is geographical distance. Now, sometimes people don't respect your no when you say one or they won't respect those physical boundaries. And so sometimes you just need to get away from those people and set that geographical distance between you. And this is just the unfortunate reality of the world we live in is that some people just are bulldozers where you set up a boundary and they will just roll over it every single time. And so those people, you need more distance between you and them so that they can't keep doing that. Now, sometimes people will break your boundaries. It doesn't mean they're a bulldozer person. It doesn't mean that they'll never respect your boundaries. There are those people who will just always bowl over your boundaries. Sometimes people have parents who do that or friendships or spouses and things like that. And so geographical distance may not always be an option, but it is something that you can use for an extra layer of protection. The fourth type of boundary is emotional distance. And this is where you just use your wisdom and insight to know who is a safe person and to know what you can share with them because some people are not safe to open up to emotionally. And so even though maybe your friendship was at a deep level, you can always back away and take some emotional distance where you're not sharing as much as maybe you have before. So in the same thought, number five is time. And so that person that you're taking emotional distance from 
you probably also take time from. So you're not going to be spending as much time as you had in the past with them until they become a safe or healthy person for you to be around. Or where you're in a place where you are safe and healthy and can set boundaries in a healthy way. The next boundary is consequences. Now, generally, I don't like giving consequences to adults. That's something more that you work to help train kids with. But sometimes you're dealing with people who just really won't listen to you. For example, talking about letting our kids say no to physical affection from us or from relatives. And then if relatives continue to pursue that and they don't listen to you and you say, hey, you know, what? we want to let them have this boundary if they say no to that. But then they're still coaxing your kid to give them hugs or kisses, even though they don't want to or they're seeming to be uncomfortable to that. Then you have a conversation with that person where you're like, hey, listen, we've talked about this and I'm going to have to not have you come over for a little bit because you're refusing to respect this boundary that I have. So you're giving this consequence to this adult to help them understand this is not something I'm just going to let you ignore that I'm saying to you. And this can be very uncomfortable. It's going to come across as confrontational and it can cause conflict between you and this other person. But again, we're putting up these boundaries not to be mean to other people, but we're putting up boundaries so that they will listen to those boundaries. And sometimes we have to add the consequence so that it has a little bit of bite so that they will listen next time. And again, this tends to be one of the most uncomfortable ones for people to do because, again, by its very nature, it does end up being confrontational. But if that person is a regular participant in your life and just talking to them doesn't work, you have to take it to the next step. An important thing with that is to make sure that you are following through with that consequence, right? So you see that with parents all the time where they threaten, the next time you do this, I'm going to take this away, or the next time you do this, this will happen, but they never follow through. So the kid knows I can push past this boundary and nothing will happen to me. So it really is important, the follow through of those consequences. And again, it's a short-term discomfort that you're going to experience for a longer-term benefit. And so it ends up being worth the discomfort in the end because of that benefit. The next one I want to talk about is feelings. Feelings play such a big role in our relationships, and rightly so, because it's a big part of who we are. But we need to make sure that we balance that. That feelings shouldn't be ignored, but it shouldn't be the only thing that we're making decisions based off of. So we need to take responsibility for our feelings, and a lot of times I think how this shows up is that we don't have that boundary of These are my feelings and I'm responsible for them. A lot of times we blame other people for how we're feeling when really those feelings should just be a red flag or kind of help us to figure out that something's going on and something's not right and we need to figure out what the issue is. In the same way, we need to make sure that we're not using our feelings to guilt people. For example, not saying, I'm so sad that you won't give me a hug. Come on over here. Give me a hug. It'll make me so happy. That's a good example of not taking responsibility for your feelings and trying to guilt the other person or putting it on the other person that they're making you feel a certain way. Absolutely. It's nobody else's responsibility but your own to manage your own feelings. Other people can make it more difficult for you to be happy or easier for you to feel sad, but ultimately that responsibility lies with you about how you manage your own emotions. Everything we talked about prior to feelings were all external type boundaries. Now, feelings and everything else we're talking about after this are all going to be kind of internal boundaries, things that we are experiencing or boundaries we're setting up within ourselves to be able to be in a healthier place. Another example of internal boundaries would be attitudes and beliefs. And the idea behind this is that you can have a belief or an attitude towards something. And just because people don't share that with you doesn't mean that something's wrong with you or that you need to change your belief. It's very interesting. As soon as I 
was going through this boundary, immediately a story popped into my mind of this belief that I had that was very different from my first grade class. And so we're sitting there and the teacher said, can we tell what time it is just by looking at the sun? Everybody in the class said no, but I had said yes. And I ended up being correct, but it was very emotionally uncomfortable for me to say it because I was going against the grain of what everybody else said. So that idea is that your belief and attitude towards something is not invalidated because the majority of people don't agree with you. In that instance, I happened to be right, even though the majority of people disagreed with me. You can tell the time by looking at the sun. Being able to have that boundary and say, no, this is what I believe. And if you don't believe that, that's okay. And especially in today's society, that's very much not accepted. Oh, you don't believe what I believe? Well, that you're totally wrong and you're an awful person or a hateful person because you don't agree with that. But the truth is a lot of these beliefs and attitudes come and stem from opinions. And so you don't necessarily have to argue these things through with people. It can be just, well, you know, that's kind of what I think or that's kind of what I believe about this, that or the other thing. Right. And we teach that to our kids where if they're having a debate, we talk about, is that a fact or opinion? And if they say an opinion, then we say, okay, you state your opinion and then just leave it. You don't have to convince anyone else of it, but you know where you stand and you need to own your thoughts and beliefs. There's this really great scene in the movie Inside Out where they're on this train and they hit a bump and these two different boxes of facts and opinions fall down and all the contents fall out. And the two characters in that scene are trying to take the facts and opinions and they're trying to put them back in their respective boxes. And one of the characters says, they look so similar, how can you tell them apart? And then the other person says, ah, it doesn't matter anyways, just shove them in where they go. And so they just take the facts and opinions and they just shove them into whatever box. And so part of it is sometimes it does take some time and effort to really understand what is the difference between something that's a fact or something that's an opinion. Because there's definitely opinions that we can have that we strongly hold on to and we feel like and we treat them as facts, even if they're not. For those of you who are taking notes, this is number nine. We're on choices. And this is where you take responsibility for the choices that you make instead of laying the responsibility on someone else. And I can see this a lot in kids where they'll do something and they'll say, well, he made me do that. But in reality, being able to understand that the choices we make are our responsibility. And this is important because we are the ones that have to suffer the consequences But we also are the ones that get the benefit when we make choices that are beneficial to our lives. The other part about taking responsibility that is important is that it puts you in a position of power where now you have the ability to change the outcome. If it's always somebody else's fault, that puts you in this powerless position where now you can't change the outcome in the future. So Ruth and I, just the other night, were laying in bed and we hear this blood-curdling scream coming from the other room. And her eldest daughter comes running out. She's got her hand over her mouth and she's just bleeding. And we get a look at her and she's got a split lip. And then our other daughter comes out of the room and she is kind of sheepish, quiet, eyes looking down. And at that moment, we're not trying to find out what's going on. We're just taking care of our daughter, taking care of the bloody lip. And then eventually I turned to our younger daughter and I was like, Elizabeth, what, what happened? And then she's kind of going into this long, drawn-out story. And eventually she says, well, I kicked her in the face. (laughs) And then when we're trying to figure out, well, why are you even awake right now? You should be asleep. And then she pivots and she says, well, Caleb made me. And she tried to pin the whole thing on our son that he made her play this game. But the problem is she's not taking responsibility for her own choices and actions that ended up resulting in her kicking her sister. 
And so this is one of these things where when you make a choice, you take responsibility for both the success or for the failure of that choice. And in that, you have power to be able to change the outcome in the future. And so for her, if she blames it on Caleb and she says, this is his fault, she's now not going to take that personal responsibility in the future to say, well, you know what? I should have been sleeping. And you know what? On top of that, when I thought about kicking her in the head, I shouldn't have kicked her in the head. Right. So it's so important to be able to separate out that when people say something or if they tell you to do something, that you still have the choice of whether you're going to do it or not. So when he suggested or even maybe he said, we're going to play this game, she still had the choice to make to go to bed or to play this game. The last one I'll talk about is internal limits. So we have internal structures that allow us to set boundaries for ourselves, such as time management. If I have a project due, I need to make sure that my internal structure says that I'm gonna, I have this goal and I'm going to set the limits that I need to to meet this goal. Have you ever been playing a game maybe on your phone where you're like, okay, this is my last game and then maybe you don't win and so you are like one more game or if you're scrolling social media and you say, okay, five minutes and that five minutes comes up real quick and you're like, okay, five more minutes or really anything in that time management where you set a goal and you say, I'm going to have this amount of time and then that time is up and you're like, okay, a little bit more. Or even with diet or exercise, these are things that you're imposing on yourself that you choose to want to do because you feel like you'll get some level of benefit out of it. But it's having that decision to be consistent with these things because you want them. Right. We need to be able to say no to ourselves. Just like we say no to others, we need to have that same boundary with ourselves. That when we say no to something, we need to stick to it. And it's important to have that self-control. And before we end, I want to quickly give you a book that you can look up. It's just called Boundaries by Cloud and Townsend. And the subtitle says, When to Say Yes, How to Say No to Take Control of Your Life. And it's a really great book. And a lot of things that they talk about there is what we've addressed today. And so I would really encourage you to go out there and read that or listen to it. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.